Well, a very good morning to everyone. I uh, see that we have a full house. No no pressure for me. Appreciate that. Uh, we do have some visitors with us, and uh, appreciate you being here as well. Glad that you had a, a safe trip to be able to, to be among us, to worship here among us, and uh, we are encouraged by your presence here. And I just want to uh, quickly say, I sometimes forget to say this, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Uh, that doesn't mean that you, in turn, appreciate this, but... It does give me a, a time and opportunity to uh, to grow uh, in my knowledge and, and, and wisdom of the Word of God. So it's it's always been an encouragement to me uh, to be able to stand up here. And, and some of you have been so good to me and, and given me encouragement. And I, I, I wonder if you're being completely honest or not. But uh, I do appreciate that. And I appreciate all the feedback uh, that you all have given me. Josh has always uh, done well to call me up. And, and I appreciate Josh for this fact. He always points out the good, and he'll point out that little bit and says, you know, I think you could tweak that right there and, and turn that up a notch. Uh, so I, I'm not as animated as, as he is. I, I, I might get there eventually, but uh, hopefully I can keep your attention this morning, and hopefully, more importantly, we can learn something from the Word of God. This evening, you'll have the opportunity to hear Brother uh, Glenn Price, and uh, we're all excited about that. and look forward to that, and I, I encourage Glenn and pray that everything goes well. Uh, for him. This morning we're going to be opening up the Word of God. We're going to be focusing on what it has to say, and hopefully everything we learn this morning is strictly in accordance to the Word of God. That is, after all, our, our purpose here is to learn it uh, and to apply it to our daily lives. Our foundation of our study this morning is going to be brought out of Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Now this could go several different ways, uh, but this morning you're going to find I'm going to Pull out something else from the, from these verses. Matthew three sixteen through 17 And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." I wonder sometimes how often we remind ourselves that, that we are always someone's child. And that could be either physically or spiritually. Now physically speaking, everyone has been or is a child or has children. And at some point or another, as a child, you probably did something somewhere, somehow, that impacted the uh, memory of your parents or your guardians to be very pleased by your actions. And these are moments that are very dear to a parent and hold special places in our hearts. And we can reflect back on that and know that, that hopefully we impacted that somehow by our instruction or our discipline uh, in their upbringing. And in our obedience to God, we are still children, no matter what your age is. No matter if, you're, if your physical parents are, are still alive or not, we still have Him as our Father. We are children who are, are either have been pleasing or are being pleasing or are looking to uh, be pleasing by our actions each day. And so just for a quick moment, I want you to, to think back uh, to a, maybe a time in your life when you, when you learned something. And it can be something uh, very simple from a very young age. It could be how you uh, learned to uh, talk or walk or read, uh, write, you know, whatever it may be. How you learned it, how you utilized that knowledge. And I'm guessing you're able to remember uh, maybe among those memories that your parents maybe taught you some of those things. Or, or maybe you saw a book or saw a video or, or read a book or watched a video uh, whatever the case may be, somehow you were able to use whatever you had in that moment 
to learn what it was you needed to do to make what you had work and make sense. So we required some form of instruction and direction, didn't we? When God left His Word with us, He left instructions, a clear path to understanding what we need to do as as children, both young and old, in our spiritual growth uh, and in our spiritual growth from children, it's a blessing to be exposed to biblical teachings or, or examples, perhaps. And our path of understanding what it takes to be pleasing to God, we must, re- we must recognize it's our duty as children to make the effort to learn what it is that God wants. Just as we learn from our parents what good and bad is, starting in the home from a babe. As parents, it's our duty to provide the access to that knowledge by continual effort in the house or or additional effort in bringing them to to Bible studies or Bible classes, and that we are setting the example of what obedience is by being part of of a local body and by doing what God's Word commands of us. All these are avenues by which we can and should be exposed to what the Word of God is in order to learn what God would have us to do in order to be pleasing to Him. So I want to talk about a few things this morning that I hope may influence and help or or direct us in our thoughts to remember who we are or what we could be or even should be this very day in pleasing Him. So this starts as simple as knowing God's Word. In the book of uh, Luke, in chapter 11, verse 28, Luke writes, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Now, God provided that we should have this, this word, His word, and His word is that which, that which informs and instructs us in the way which we should live. As we often reference, uh, this also great for help of scripture from 2 Timothy 3.16, quite often when we talk about the instruction of God's word, and, and sometimes we come across a translation that better suits, uh, for the message that we're bringing. So I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation, and this is how it reads. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We must accept the fact at a young age that our parents or our guardians have the best of intentions for us and should have the best intentions for us. And when we are disciplined for things, when we are instructed, it is for the good and well-being of our lives. And I'm confident now, having gained just a, just a little bit more wisdom and experience, that some of us in this room have told our children, we are disciplining you because we love you. Well, I bet there's days that my kids wish I loved them a, a whole lot less. But it's true, isn't it? You don't realize these things till they come back and, and hit you between the eyes. I, I used to roll my eyes when I got told that. Now I'm on the receiving end of that, and I look and I, I think, I want to spank that out of them too. We do though. Godly parents, we, we want their children, we want our children to be, to be obedient and submissive, respectful, helpful, loving, humble, and good. Am I right? And I know you parents in this, in this room pretty well. And of course we want those things. We're instructed to do so, uh, to do those things after all in Proverbs 22, 6, I'll reference for you. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he was old, he will not depart from it. Do you suppose that our physical relationship is too far different when we think about our relationship to God. This is this is for everybody. Think about that just a little bit. We spend a whole, we spend a whole lot of time as parents correcting, don't we? A whole lot of time being patient and forgiving and, and merciful at times. 
Now, are you seeing how how we are children to Him, to our Father who is instructing, correcting, being patient, forgiving, and merciful? It really can bring some things into reality when we think about it from a different perspective. We must use our Father's instruction, open His Word, search it, learn it, hear it, study it, and let it teach us what we need to know in order to serve and please Him. The next twist in our achieving of pleasing the Father, we we really must understand in what ways we are able to do so. So I've got just a little kink for you in the message this morning, and it's an obstacle I'm not sure we're going to be able to to overcome or not, and and yeah, I'm having a little bit of fun with that. But I want to direct your attention to Romans chapter 8. Book of Romans and chapter 8. Now, if we just read, plain and simple, verse 8 of of Romans 8, it says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh Uh-oh, that's that's pretty much everyone here, right? We're all on the flesh, so we might as well get up and go home. But no, Paul here is explaining to the Romans in part what had to take place for them to be able to, uh, to... to be able to live how they should, especially considering the influence of, of man's law, not in not in flesh, but in in spirit. If we include our context, it helps us a whole lot to understand what he's talking about. So, if you will, just just back up there, back up to verse three of Romans chapter eight, starting verse three. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace." For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And then we lead into those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, in our continual search and in our knowledge and understanding of of how to please God, once we've we've heard and, and been instructed in this word, we need to learn the manner by which we will serve the Lord. And we need to put away our selfish desires, our, our personal goals that interfere with godly focus. You who were upstairs class, you're, you're starting to see where I'm starting to sweat in class here. These were, these were some points I wanted to bring up. Now we'll just tie them in. So we're, <clears throat> so we're to put our focus on how what, what we do affects who we will be for God. And we're very familiar with the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, and we won't be reading that. But you can probably recollect and think about that that parable and think about the story of that man. He seemed like a genuine person up until he he couldn't give up his possessions, right? What What his flesh desired. And it's because of those types of desires that we are also instructed and warned by Paul in various ways, even as in the beginning of Colossians 3, 5, when he says, Put to death, therefore, what is what? What is earthly in you? And he too is talking about what we desire in the flesh. Also recall, if you will, what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 26, 41. And and Mickey, you nailed this during class. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. You know, we often 
succumb to fleshly desires, oftentimes. Things we may uh, convince ourselves that we have earned or that we deserve. And for the young ruler, it was his wealth and his possession. But in the Spirit, when we are focused on godly things, when our minds are, are elevated to higher thoughts, as we've talked about in class, we will be worshiping our Lord and Savior in that Spirit and in that truth. And we will want to do what He has instructed us to do. And we will be obedient to His Word and His commandments. So just as God, through His, through his Word, warned us of, of what we should look out for, do we not do the same for our children today? And this was uh, kind of touching on what Stuart said. And as I said before, as godly striving parents, we want to teach our children and warn them of what not to get mixed up in. And, and children, they have a duty to their parents as well, don't they? And we're touching on that topic of, of submission of will. And also falling under the category of, of putting away our selfish desires is the submission of our will. You know, if we let our kids run wild with no consequence uh, or instruction or, or punishment, well, there would be no hope for the future, would there? And that's the same as, as our will is to God. If, if we did not uh, submit to Him, if, if there was no consequence, if there was no instruction, we would be unruly. So children uh, must submit to the instruction of the parents, which will also produce a, a pleasure to the Lord. That's in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. So we as His children, we should do the same for our Father in Heaven. We see from time to time, and, and think with me if you will, you know, on, on some choices that our children make. If you have children, uh, this really will impact you. And I'd say most of us parents that we've experienced a moment when there was some sort of disappointment. Maybe maybe we got lied to. Maybe we heard our child say the bad word. Or maybe uh, something that we found that they shouldn't have been looking at. And if you think back to that feeling, how, how did that make you feel? Were you, were you disgusted? Were you sick? Were you angry? Did you feel wronged by that? So stop for just a second. If you have in your head that particular moment, think on that feeling. Those moments, they, they kind of bring tears to your eyes, do they, don't they? And back to the application, this now applies to the entire building, including me. Do you ever stop to think that every time we are guilty of those things that God might be feeling the same way? And when you really put it into perspective, it's, it's a little gut-wrenching, isn't it? While those moments that may, you know, they may be hard to reflect on and think on, but do you at the same time find joy in the times that that child was reconciled, was returned to you, when there was forgiveness. When that takes place, you know, we, we, we embrace and we're in tears of joy and happiness and that the good has prevailed, the joy is greater than the pain, isn't it? Knowing that once was lost has returned, such as the prodigal son in Luke 15, uh, I think verses 11 through 32, somewhere around there. This too is our relationship with our Father. We need to accept that we are or should become children, being brothers and sisters in Christ seeking to please our Father. If you would, I want you to be turning to uh, 1 John. 1 John. I'm going to ask you to, to bear with me here because we're going to be moving through several different verses and probably be moving through them uh, fairly quickly. And you might wonder where it's going, but I, I promise, at least in my head, it makes sense. It's all going to tie in together here. First John chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 1 here. 
1 John 3, 1. The reason I didn't put the verses up there was because there were so many. So the verses just stay with me. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Move down to verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. So this verse here is wide open for use in in, uh, this lesson's application. But I'm going to break it down starting with that phrase of keeping His commandments. What commandment are we talking about? Luckily for us, next verse down. Verse 23. 1 John 3, 23. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as He has commanded us, whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us, by the Spirit whom He has given us. So when we keep His commandments, we love and must love in order for God to abide in us, and we in Him. First John chapter 4, move down just a little bit more. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Furthermore, verses 15 through 16 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Skip down. Chapter 5 now. Bear with me just a little bit more. Chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been what? Born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. In case anyone blacked out there for a second, let's break this down and recap. We should believe on the name of Jesus Christ and love one another. In so doing, we keep the commandments of our Lord because we believe. And in keeping His commandments, we are in Him And He is in us. Now knowing that abiding in Him, we abide in His love, which He is. And in sharing this love, we are born of Him. And because of His love and sending His only Son, we also ought to love each other. And those who share this love also believe that Jesus has been born of God. And they love each other also. And they love each other who also have been born of Him, which makes us children, brothers and sisters, in the keeping of His commandments. This allows us the privilege and honor to ask of God because we keep His commandments doing what pleases Him. This is Josh. Now, I love Josh. I won't make this weird, Josh. I love Josh. I love Josh because Josh loves the Lord. And Josh loves the Lord because the Lord first loved him. And in his love for the Lord... Josh loves me because I too love the Lord. Our brotherly love is the love that we all should share and comfort in that we love the Lord and aim to please Him as His faithful children. 
as brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as a loving parent is always there for their child, so God will be for us as we please Him. John 8 and 29 says, And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are what? Pleasing to Him. And you know as well as I do that that we will be challenged in this world to do things that put our goals of pleasing God at risk. And Paul raises this question well. We talked about it in class. Galatians 1 and verse 10. Remember that little question for, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Many times we're tempted on in our in our lives and, and in schools, at work, and sports, and by friends to do the things that that uh, that would help maintain our our status quo, so to speak. And this all goes back to the Romans eight passage about not living in the flesh, and also what we talked about in class: not looking for personal gain, but rather for spiritual gain and growth. And so I'm going to invite your attention back to the Romans chapter eight here. <clears throat> Back to Romans chapter 8, and this time we're going to be reading and starting in verse 12. Romans 8 and verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of who? Heirs of God and fellow heirs. Fellow heirs with who? With Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. To be an heir, the opportunity to to gain an inheritance. Now, what is this inheritance? Well, it's an inheritance of God. And we, as His children, uh, with Christ, through instruction, through, through example, through belief and our obedience to God, the Father, can earn the inheritance He has prepared for us. And in all these actions, we will please the Lord. Furthermore, in our lives, we're going to benefit in our service to the Lord. We reap the benefits of His blessings and, and answered prayers. And we gain knowledge of the Scripture and within that have the opportunity to then proclaim and share it with others as well. Which, no surprise here, pleases God. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12. I bet I beat you to it. I flipped right to it. Got lucky. Hebrews 13 verse 12. <clears throat> So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we see, especially through uh, verse 15, the continual offer 
and how these uh, continual offerings will be pleasing to God in verse 16 there. Uh, some of y'all uh, heard the story I told uh, a few uh, Wednesday night ago or so about about finding the uh, sermon in our house that uh, Hunter had written, and it was sweet, and, and I'm not going to share that again, but there's something else I wanted to, to share with you that I was thinking about the other day. You know how on, on, on birthdays, uh, you know, sometimes you, you receive a card that, that may have money in it or a gift card, at least those are the, the good birthday cards. Uh, well, I remember coming home one day and, and Daphne was, uh, was laughing about something. She said that her kids had written some sort of letter, and I think it might have been a get well letter to, to a friend or something like that, and she, she handed me the card. She said, fill this card. When I grabbed the card, it, it jingled. And uh, she said the kids had put some quarters or some change in there. And they'd been used to receiving money, and so they thought that was just part of the deal. If we're going to send them a car, we've got to send them some money. And it might have been 32 cents, but they were going to give that 32 cents away. And I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how, how our children will, will observe and will learn and will see these things that, that we do for others or that others do for us. So, and, and I've talked to, to many of you other parents who've told me stories of things your kids have done, and, and until you're on the receiving end of that, you may not realize the pleasure that lies in your, in your faces. And I think we need to ask ourselves, is, is God able to say the same thing about us and our service to Him? And I must ask myself this daily as well, and, and is what I am doing pleasing to the Lord? And I want to assure you of, of one other thing, especially if you're younger or even a younger Christian. And that is, in doing good, you will find that you're encouraged more by those who truly love you. You know, I sometimes play back the day in my head with my kids and I, I reflect on how many times we had to correct or discipline their actions in teaching. And it, it amazes me how frequent and persistent but patient we must be in rearing ch- children. And I believe God does much the same for us. In some way or another, we find that God will find a way to reach us in our hardships as children and that remind us what we have available in service to Him and in being pleasing children of His. And so as I'm helping to wrap up some of these last points here, as we think about being continually pleasing to our Lord, there's a question I want to ask you as well. And that is, are you being pleasing to the Lord? Now as a child, if you're, if you're a child in the audience, do the things you do each day, are they, are they pleasurable to your parents? Do your parents uh, let you know when, when you've done good and encourage you to do good? And parents, when your children are being good, do we continue to encourage them to do that? As a complete audience, as children here in some form or another, is God the Father pleased with you today? So if you're a Christian, maybe somewhere along the way, maybe along these fragmented points of a light bulb flickered that told you maybe you haven't been as, as pleasing a child of His as you should be, I ask simply that you don't let that worry or, or, or that doubt control you anymore or whatever the moral may be. Take care of it. Pray and ask forgiveness. Because God will hear your prayer and in your humbleness. Or let us help help you. Let us pray for you and with you. You may feel that you have too much shame or pride to admit uh, to living contrary to the Word of God. But I promise you this. I guarantee 
that you will be so encouraged and admonished by your brothers and sisters in Christ who wait to embrace you that you will no longer care. You will be able to smile with ease knowing that you are being pleasing to the Lord once again. And there can't be any greater feeling than that. I can't imagine the moment when God told the Son, I am well pleased. If you're not a Christian, I truly hope that you have seen the benefit in serving God. That you will find that in obedience to His Word, and in the hearing and the doing of this Word, in commitment to His will, that you will be so encouraged in your daily walk and service to Him. You know, we used to use the phrase, uh, put a little pep in your step when we, when we talked about being someone sluggish or slow to respond to something. Well, put a little pep in your step this morning. Allow God to, to look down on you as you are risen up from the waters of baptism and know that you are a child of His in whom He is well pleased. I want to ask that you do that now as we stand and as we sing.